0: Welcome to the Fairview Church Podcast. At Fairview Church, we are dedicated to reaching our neighbors with the true freedom found in full surrender to Christ. To find out more about our church, including service times, location, and current sermon series, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org. As I said it's an exciting time at Fairview. Uh it seems like every week we have new families and new folks coming into our church. It seems like we have uh in almost every ministry we're growing and as a staff we're asking these questions like well what do we do about this room because it's too small? What do we do about this group because they can't really have any more people because there's just so many people coming into our church and so it's a really really good problem to have and the best way I can describe it is that imagine this is Fairview Church, okay? Imagine this is us, okay, and over the past Last few years, all right, this is what 's happening. We have become this, all right, we have been become this little tiny people 's green toys fairy okay that 's what we 've become as a church. all right we are growing, all right we are growing, and because we 're growing, there is something that 's happening. We have needs for volunteers and for serving, and so guess what this morning. It's no coincidence that in John 13 is specifically on serving. It's where we're at in the text of John. It's about Jesus washing the feet of his disciples. And we're going to be talking about serving today and how it's important for us, not only because Jesus commands us to do so, but it's important because he gives us the example to do so. And I hope this will encourage some of you this morning or challenge some of you this morning to get on board because we're growing and we need all hands on deck. So if you will, if you'll stand with me, we're gonna go ahead and read our passage together in honor of God's word. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. and to wipe them with the towel, which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he washed their feet, taken his garments and sat down again, He said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, A servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, help us to be encouraged this morning to see that service is really at the center of your heart and that our love for others stems from you. Help us to understand that it really is impossible to live a life devoted to you without washing other people's feet. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. You can be seated. As we start off this morning, I wanted to invite Wiley Taylor to come on up here. Why? Yeah, we can give him a little, our students can give him a clap. He's one of our student leaders. I have, I love you, Wiley. I have so much respect for Wiley. For Glenda, his wife, they have they serve in our family ministry. So Wiley serves in our student ministry, leading community groups. His wife Glenda teaches in our kids ministry and their community groups. And they are just uh, some of the best examples of what it means to serve here as a church. And so I wanted Wiley. I want to ask him a couple of questions. Just wanted to kind of hear his experience on serving. So first question: How long have you been serving in ministry? Uh,
1: through the grace of Jesus, who loves me, and our administration. And pastor staff that love me anyway. Uh, I've been this is my forty seventh year of serving in the forty seven years.
0: Eastern. Amen. Yeah. So my next question would be: You've been serving for forty seven years. Did you think when you started serving you'd be serving this long? I didn't think I'd live
1: this long, uh, but uh, <laughs> I would say yes to that uh, because uh, man, from day one, I've never met a student I didn't fall in love with. And uh, to have that opportunity, that joy, that privilege, that responsibility, I thought, yeah, this is something I want to do as long as I can do it.
0: Awesome. So in the 47 years you've been serving, what keeps you kind of motivated? What keeps you going uh, year after year? I, I think as
1: much as anything, it is, it's always the students uh, and uh, you know, just to see uh, them get it. It's what I call it. When they they realize that this this whole thing's for real, it's not just stories they've been hearing about, and it's not just pictures in a book, uh, but that Jesus can be very real to them. Not only can they have a relationship with him, Jesus desperately wants that. And uh, to see that happen uh, always makes my
0: day. Wonderful. So I know that you have mentored and discipled probably hundreds of students over the past years But I want to know from you as a person, so how has God worked in you? Like, how has God grown you while serving?
1: Well, he's grown me about 80 pounds since (laughs) I started. (laughs) I I think uh, uh, my spiritual growth, uh, first of all, in Bible reading, uh, you know, you have to to study the Bible. And I appreciate that. I need that. Uh, I need that uh, uh, accountability. So I I have to study the Bible. And it's always amazing to me that uh, I've had the privilege to read the Bible through a few times. But he keeps sticking brand new verses in there. (laughs) And, uh, you know, all of a sudden I see something brand new said in a whole new way. So certainly growth in that. But probably my biggest growth has has come uh, from uh, leading mission teams. Uh, Here in a few weeks, uh, we will go to Chattanooga. This will be the 27th uh, mission uh, team that I've been able to lead uh, out of Fairview. And, uh, man, it's just changed me. Uh, You know, I saw the world in a whole different way. Uh, People way different than me that God loves just as much as me and uh, gives me the chance to love on them just as much. Uh, This past year, uh, I got to work with uh, uh, low-functioning autistic boys and uh, God just let me grow a whole brand new heart. And so uh, it just keeps growing. It just keeps getting better and better. And uh, I feel very, very blessed uh, to have had the the opportunity and the joy of doing it. Awesome. Hey,
0: can we give a round of applause for Wiley? Thank you, sir. Listen, I love his family and I'm gonna... I'm going to pick on you a little bit. So the other day we were talking and he was mentioning about how he's looking forward to retirement. And, uh, and he just told me, he said, I'm looking forward to retirement so I can spend more time serving. And uh, that's a blessing to one of your pastor's ears. I mean, because a lot of people, when they are getting older and they start to retire, they're thinking, I want this or that for my life. And it doesn't become a priority to serve. And so Wiley, I love you, brother. And I'm so grateful you're a part of this uh, church family. I'm so grateful for your wife, um, Listen, we have a lot of Wiley Taylors, all right, at this church. We've got Glenda Taylors at this church. We have the Joneses at this church. We've got lots of different types of people at this church who serve weekend and week out. They devote time to serving, and they are wonderful, and I am so grateful for them. But according to a recent poll, about four out of ten people who regularly serve or go to a church are actually serving in church. And to be honest with you, that actually might be a little generous, okay? If this is true, that roughly 40% of our Christian culture is serving in church, that means over half of people who call themselves Christians are missing out on what might be one of the most fundamental things about being a Christian, and that's serving, In fact, the saddest part about it is not that we don't get to experience their gifts in this church, which is true. We don't get to experience those gifts. But the saddest part is that in our text, Jesus actually tells us that blessed are you who serve. They are missing out on the blessing of God. They're missing out on joy, peace, contentment. The things that God promises in scripture because they simply do not. Serve. When we look at our text this morning, we notice that it's an interesting command. Wash people's feet. Some of you in here are like, yep, never doing that, right? Some of you are like, have you seen my husband's feet? It's definite no. Listen, I'm a Spolino, okay? We're basically hobbits, okay? Our feet are hairy. They're really gross. But praise Jesus that... Well, back in this day, they washed people's feet before supper. We don't normally do that anymore. And that's okay because the principle of this text still stands true today. See, while they wash people's feet and Christ commands them to do that, what Christ commands us to do today is to serve others even when it's inconvenient, even when it costs us something, And even when we don't want to do it, sometimes washing people's feet means making a commitment to serve them. Christ commands us to wash one another's feet, to serve one another. And this task of serving one another takes great humility. When we look at this in Christ's day, washing feet was reserved for the lowliest of the lows. It was reserved for Gentile slaves or indentured servants. When you would go to somebody's house and you were ready for supper, when you walked in, the slave that was on the lowest totem pole in that house would run over, would grab a towel, and would wash the feet of the people coming in. Why? Because they wore sandals and they would walk. And not only would they get dirt on their feet, but they would probably get animal poop and all sorts of stuff on their feet. It was really disgusting. It was really gross. And yet here comes the lowest person in this household who would walk over, get on his knees or her knees, and he would start washing the feet of the people walking in. It was demeaning. And yet Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And before his disciples can say, well, I'm sure he doesn't expect us to do that, to get that low, to do that task. Jesus tells them in verse 16, most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Let me just paraphrase this for today. If I'm gonna do this, you're gonna do this. It's not an option. When we look at the example of Jesus, starting in verse one, what we're going to see is that his love and his humility, he's calling all Christians to embody. And he tells us at the end, you need to do this. In verse one through four, what we see is the beginning of this demonstration of God's love that fuels him to serve. says, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus knew his hour had come that he should depart from the world. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The first thing that we notice in this text is that he says his hour had come. Now, everyone who was there, the disciples would have remembered this. Anybody reading John's account would have remembered that in John chapter two, Jesus says something similar, but it's the opposite. He says, my hour has not come. In John chapter two, he is at this wedding feast. They run out of wine. His mother, Mary walks over and says, you need to do something. This is going to be completely humiliating to the people, to the, the host of this party. And Jesus says, my hour's not come. It's not here, but then he goes off in private. He changes water into wine, and this launches his three-year public ministry, and from chapters really two through 12, we see the three years of Jesus's ministry, and in that time, it's not uncommon for him to do a miracle and be like, hey, I'm going to heal you, and that's like, don't tell anybody that I did this. In one account, he feeds like 5,000 people. You're like, how are you supposed to be like you know, incognito when you're feeding so many people? And they wanna make him king, and he just disappears. He's like, I'm not here. Jesus, through these 12 chapters, is telling us over and over and over again that his time is not yet here. His hour has not yet come. And yet, now in chapter 13, it says, it's arrived. His time has come. So what could this mean? In chapters 1 through 12, he is showing signs that he is the Messiah, that he is the promised one, that he is the deliverer. He's teaching, healing, he's doing miracles to show that he is the Messiah. But now, starting in John chapter 13, he is saying to us, I am ready to complete that messianic duty. I've been showing you that I'm the Messiah, but we are now about to embark on a 48 hours where I am going to prove to you that I am the Messiah. That I'm gonna show you, I am finally going to do the very thing that you've been waiting for your whole entire life. All the prophecies concerning the Messiah, the Deliverer, everything that you've hoped for is finally going to come true. Now think about this. They had their own ideas of what the Messiah would be like. A warrior, a politician, someone who would come in and overthrow their current enemy. And yet we don't see John describe the Messiah as someone going over battle plans to take over the government. Instead, what John describes is a Messiah who gets on the very, very bottom of the floor and starts wiping his disciples' feet. Jesus is showing us here that the mantle of the Messiah is not conquest. But to be the Messiah is to serve. Mark chapter 10 verse 45 reminds us that even the son of man did not come to serve but to be served and give his life a ransom for many. And this is the life that Jesus is calling us to. And I love this because he says, having loved his own to the very end. Jesus is motivated by love to wash his people's feet. It's love that motivates him to do that. And the question for us is if we are not willing to serve and be inconvenienced, that actually doesn't say a whole lot about our work ethic. It actually says more about what we believe about love. Do we really love other people enough to be willing to get down and to serve them in tasks that are inconvenient, that may cost us something? See, I think it's sometimes difficult to serve other people because we lack the love that's necessary for it. In general, it can be easy or more natural to love your family. It can be easy to love the people you get along with. It can be easy to love people who have the same political affiliation or cultural ideals. It can be easy to love people that have the same hobbies as you. But it's not easy to love your enemy or easy to love people who betray you or easy to love people that are different than you. And what we see from Jesus' example here, it tells us in verse 12 that he had washed all the disciples' feet, which means he washes the feet of Judas, his betrayer. He washes the feet of Peter, who's going to deny him three times. He washes the feet of the three who he asked to stay awake in the garden in his greatest hour of need, but instead they fell asleep. And Jesus knew all of this. It tells us in the first four verses that Jesus knew everything that was happening. God had already given everything into his hands. He knew exactly what was going to happen the next little while up into the cross, and yet he still washes their feet. The only way we can love and serve the way that Christ did is if we are fueled by the love that only God can give. Listen, only God can give the type of love that will serve people that are going to betray you. And Jesus, Jesus begins to wash their feet, and Simon Peter doesn't understand what's happening. Why would the king of the universe, Jesus, the Son of God, get on the floor and wash people's feet? It just doesn't make any sense. And Jesus points this out and he says in verse 7 listen, you don't understand what's happening, okay? I get that. You will soon. And what I love about this is that he doesn't let anybody off the hook. If Jesus, fueled by love, washes people's feet, then we have no excuse not to. We have no excuse not to invest and not to serve. It reminds me of Philippians chapter 2. Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who... Existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when we come as a, when he came, had come in as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on a cross. It says, "Have the same attitude." Jesus shows us humility in an amazing way here. That it's fueled by love. If Jesus, our master, roots himself in love, then we really have no excuse not to do so as well. This can look different in in ways, washing people's feet. Here's how it looks potentially in my own life. So if you know me, there's two things you need to know, okay? First, I'm an introvert. Second, I like my lawn, okay? I'm a grass person, Amen. I love it. So when I come home at the end of the day, and I'm rolling down the street and I see a thousand kids, my neighbors playing in my grass, I have a decision to make. Okay, it's just a reality. Listen, by the way, I love my lawn so much that one day kids were running through the yard and Jonathan, my seven-year-old son, goes, get off my dad's lawn. He just yelled it. It was amazing. He got like dessert, extra dessert for like the week. But that's how much I love my grass, okay? So when I come home and I see a bunch of my neighbors there, I have an option. I can either get frustrated Or I can surrender my own preferences. I can either think of myself or I can think of others. One of the things that Amber has taught me is what it means to be a good neighbor, what it means to be missional, loving, and kind, and how to get out of my own preferences. And she's actually told, has taught me through years of being married to her how to actually embrace serving others, even if it costs me my time, energy, preferences, or even if it ruins my grass. See, the reality is that washing people's feet and serving other people is actually pretty difficult, it's not easy. See, what Jesus reminds us is that serving people, it should be the priority for a Christian. Listen, I don't know what serving others looks like for you, but let me give you some possibilities. Washing feet might look like Homeboy Seth Talley over there spending his Saturday yesterday with 50 women so that they could have a sound guy and a guitar player. Now, he didn't have to do that. Now, Angela might have something to say about that, but still, he didn't have to do that. But he decided to spend all Saturday here so that the women could have that for their conference. That's washing feet. Washing feet might be giving up weeknights during the week of EBS to serve, Washing feet for you might be plugging into a ministry for the first time or raising your commitment level from once a month to twice a month. Why? Because we're growing. We got a bigger ship and we need it. Washing feet might be recognizing that for the sake of new folks coming into our church, we need new community groups. And you may need to leave your own to join into one that's just starting so that it can succeed. Washing feet might be serving in an area that you may never have thought of before, but God is prompting you just because there is a need. We cannot give the same quality of discipleship to our kids and to our students if we don't have more people serving as community group leaders and Wednesday night leaders. We cannot be intentional to meet the new families and the new guests that we have if we don't have more first impression team members. Listen, people will fall through the cracks if we are not intentional and we're not serving. Listen, we live in a selfish culture, a culture where everything is about me. No one is willing to sacrifice or be inconvenienced for anybody else these days. And it also impacts the way Christians see ministry. The two greatest obstacles that I see when it comes to serving centers around priorities and preferences. Listen, we all have our priorities. We all have our schedules. Normally, we fill them to the brim and we don't create space and time to serve. But here's what I know to be true. We make time for the things that we love and we make time for the people that we love. So when we aren't willing to prioritize serving others, what does that actually say about our love for them? What does that say about the way we see Christ's command here to serve one another? Amber posed this question in her breakout session yesterday that I thought was good for this morning. The real question is this Do I live at a pace that allows me to be available to those that are around me? If not, what are the things that are taking importance over Jesus' command to serve? The second thing that I see are preferences, the second obstacle. Listen, we believe that God has given spiritual gifts to every single person to be used for his kingdom. And I also believe that God sometimes gives us certain passion groups, right? Like a certain ministry or a certain age group that God has specifically gifted us into to serve. With that said, I think some of us hold on so tightly to our idea of serving or we believe that God is calling us to serve that we actually don't see where God is actually pointing us to to serve. What if our preferences are just our preferences And God is actually calling us to serve in areas where we may feel out of our comfort zone, where we may feel challenged, or where he wants to show us that we have a new spiritual gift that we didn't even think we knew we had. And finally, as we think through this, where does it say in the scripture that serving is not going to be difficult? Where does it say in scripture that it's not going to be inconvenient? Or Where does it say that it's not going to cost me anything to serve somebody else? In fact, when I read scripture, it seems like Jesus is almost requiring the opposite. In Luke 9, he tells us if anybody wants to come after me, he needs to deny himself and take up his cross. In Luke 14, he says, if anybody who does not renounce all that he has, well, they can't be my disciple. In Romans 12, it says, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, because this is our worship. Ephesians 5 tells us to be imitators of God as beloved children and walk, what? In love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us. I ask you, does this sound like an easy path to follow? No, but it's the best path. It's a path that's fueled by God's love. It's rooted in his humility and it's good for those who are obedient to it because he said we are blessed when we do these things. The happiest, joy-filled Christians I have ever met in my life have not been those who have robust theological knowledge. It has been those who love to serve. The saddest part about when I see Christians not serving is that I really believe they're missing out on one of the greatest blessings that God can give them. Identifying with Christ and his own suffering and his own humility washing people's feet. And I want us to experience that as a church. As we're getting bigger, I want us to experience this radical love and humility that Christ demonstrated. Can you imagine Fairview Church where everybody is serving and loving one another on a weekly basis? Can you imagine a church where every family who walks through those doors are loved, welcomed, and connected with because we have enough small groups to accommodate them? Can you imagine a church where every kid and every student has a loving and trusted adult that cares about them and wants to invest in them? Can you imagine a church when someone has a need, people are willing to be inconvenienced and to sacrifice to meet that need? Now listen, I'm grateful for Fairview Church because they embody so much of this. I've seen this church sacrifice in so many ways. I've seen them love and surrender in so many ways. I've seen them serve this faith family here in Lebanon and beyond in so many ways. But if it's true that only 40% of people are serving in church that regularly are identifying a part of a church family, then the answer to the problem as we grow is not for those that are ready at their max serving to take on more. The answer is for those who may not be living as God has called them to live, to be obedient to the command to serve. We need all hands on deck. We have an awesome, awesome experience here We have an awesome opportunity here to experience what God wants to do in our church. We're growing, but we need help. We need more people to serve and to invest. So what does that look like for you? What does washing feet look like for you in our own faith community? Something that's interesting about this text is that this takes place during the Lord's Supper. What we know from the other gospels is that the disciples were arguing about who's the greatest among them and Jesus gets down and he demonstrates what it looks like to be humble and to wash people's feet. He tells them to do likewise and then he goes into the Lord's Supper. Now, there could be a lot of different reasons why John chooses not to talk about the actual supper. One of the options could be this, that getting down on the ground and washing people's feet was a physical demonstration that they needed to see before Jesus went to the cross. Remember, Jesus says in our text, you don't understand this, but you are soon going to understand this. What if when Jesus is washing their feet, he is showing this physical representation and then he pulls out the bread and the cup and he says, listen, this is my body that's gonna be broken for you. This is my blood that's gonna be shed for you. This is going to be an ultimate example of what it means to love, to be humble and to serve others. And so as we move into a time of taking the Lord's Supper, I want us to consider How can we wash people's feet? How can we serve one another, fueled by what Jesus has done for us? Remembering his sacrifice on the cross for us. So, at this time, as we move into it, if you need the elements, you can just raise your hand. We'll have deacons bring it by. But I want to take us a moment. Take a moment to quiet our souls, to reflect. The Lord suffers a time to repent and realign our lives with God. It's time to embrace the love that led him to the cross, that also led him to wash our feet. It's a time where we can marvel at the love and the humility of Christ. It's a time where we commit to one another, to serve one another. So take a few moments get along with the Lord. first corinthians chapter 11 says for i received from the lord what i also passed on to you on the night when he was betrayed the lord jesus took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me let's take it together this is christ's blood broken for you same way he also took the cup and after supper he said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me this is Christ's blood shed for you let's take it together Paul finishes and says for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So let's do that together. Let's stand and read this declaration together out loud. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ, will come again. Go ahead and take a moment to get alone with the Lord. We'll have the prayer room open. I'll be in there. If you need some prayer, you can come up to the, the stage here and pray as well. Let's get alone with God and worship Him. Thank you for listening to the Fairview Church Podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit us online at www.myfairview.org.